Well, it's a joy to be with you this Christmas Eve. It's weird to say good evening to you. I don't even know what to do with that. Um, this evening, I want to speak to you about the gift of life. It's going to be simple and short and actually really short. So uh, no, I'm not going to get into it. But let me begin by reading for us out of 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. You're not going to be able to see unless you have a, a phone. I may have it up there. Yes. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This is the Apostle John writing. <clears throat> he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. Verse three, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with the son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John kind of sounds like Yoda there. Uh, truthfully, he's like saying things and it's backwards, but what he's, he's repeating in certain way so that people will understand something very important. John, the apostle was an eyewitness to the eternal God becoming a man. And that's significant. One of the most significant events in human history, I would say that God, the creator who is spirit became flesh and that is what John is talking about here. Now, let me ask you, how many of you are around uh, at the signing of the Declaration of Independence? I can't see you very well, but I, I'm, I, there's probably like one or two hands up, probably. How many of you were eyewitnesses to the attack at Pearl Harbor? Not really, huh? How many of you were eyewitnesses to the amazing event that happened a couple week, weeks ago downtown, the festival of lights that we had. How many of you were there? Any of you? Okay. There's like five. Okay. This is not a good example. <laughs> Did it even happen? We don't know. If I were to ask you, you know, who you were with, you could say their name. And if I didn't know their name, you could start to talk to me about their character or a silly hat they were wearing or, you know, all this kind of stuff. You just start describing them to me as I would want to know um, who it is you spend your time with and how, why they're important to you as you share that with me. We've all described people we've known to people who don't know them. And that's what John's doing here. John was an eyewitness to Jesus Christ, to the eternal God becoming flesh. And John's writing to people who were not there. John's possibly pretty old by now. Maybe 80s or 90s, I don't know. And in verse 1, without mentioning Jesus' name, John begins by describing Jesus in a unique way. He says, he calls him that which was from the beginning. Now, that's open to interpretation if you're in America in 2023. But if you were a Jew, you knew exactly what he's talking about. Because when you said the word from the beginning, your mind went to, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the beginning he's talking about. He's saying this guy was from the beginning, not that he began then, but he predated our beginning. That's the point. So John is describing for us someone, a being that he knows that preexisted 
time, in space, in planets, in all these things. The creator of the universe, John is speaking about. And John's linking this person to the one who was before that beginning. And the idea is that only God pre-exists everything. That's his point. And John testifies that he, along with other witnesses, and he, these guys would probably be the disciples or the witnesses who were around during Jesus's time, who were with him in his ministry. He heard him speak. He says, I heard him speak. How many of you know someone who passes away? And it's weird that sometimes you forget their voice, but sometimes you remember it super clearly. There's a distinctness about it. John says, listen, we, we heard him speak. We were around him. We heard his voice. We heard him talk. And we, and we saw him. Like, we, he was a person. We saw him with our own eyes. And so this eternal being was a person who spoke and who was able to be seen. It was visible. John says also that they looked upon him. Why would he say he saw him? And then he says he looked upon him. Well, two different words in the Greek. The first one means to see. The second one means to stoop down and to inspect. And the idea there is to contemplate. It means to really look at something. And this is the word that was used when um, I believe John or Peter went into the grave and they stooped down. They looked upon the empty grave. They were inspecting it. And so what that's saying is that John was around Jesus enough to where he was able to get a sense of him, to know his personality, to know who he was. His character. And so John and the other witnesses there not only heard, they saw. They were close enough around him to have enough time to get a sense of him in a very unique way. And John says that they also touched the word of life. You can imagine the guys on the road bumping into each other, handing them stuff, hugging one another, high fives. I don't know what they did. But you could actually touch him. He wasn't a spirit. He wasn't, you know, a vision. He was actually a person. And John has to explain this because of all the heresy out there. He was a real person speaking, observable. He had a voice, a tenor to his voice, a way about him. He was touchable. And John at the end of verse one calls Jesus the word of life. A strange word for us. Like, you know, just call your friend. Hey, he's a word of life. But for the Greek and for the Jew, they would understand because that word for word in Greek is the word logos. And it has the idea, if you were a Greek, that it was basically the phrase word of life begins. Uh, logos in the Greek means is the medium through which God created the world and communicated with his creation. That's the idea of the logos in the Greek. That there's this overarching something that God created everything through or a God. And that that's how he communicates through this thing, this word, this logos. And so it's purposeful here. John is using that word, but to the Jew, the Jew would also look at the word and go in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And it was God spoke and creation happened through the word. And what John is saying here is he's speaking about a being that he has heard. He's seen, he's 
contemplated and touched through whom everything came into existence and in whom is life. And he's the source of life is the logos. And John says of this life, he was manifested to us. Means he appeared to us. Where did he come from? From the father. This eternal God came to me. He appeared to me. Remember John did not seek Jesus out. Jesus sought John out. Where did he come from? He came from the father who is spirit. John 17, glorify me with the glory I had with you before everything was. He was with the father from all eternity past. We don't even, we can't even comprehend that as people. And yet that God who is father, son, spirit, the son came in, dwelt among us. John one says he manifested himself. He came here into time and space. It's not a fairy tale. And the way we know that is by the miracles and the prophecies and everything that he did. And tonight's not the night to go down that road. But so the eternal God, the source of life was made. And John says that he's proclaiming Jesus. He's proclaiming the word of life to his listeners so that his readers can have fellowship with them. With John and with the others who knew Jesus. I want you to have fellowship. Fellowship is another weird word in the Greek. It's koinonia. Can you say that word koinonia? And the idea behind koinonia is it is a relationship in which there's sacrificial giving. It's often described in marriage, but you have something that, that I desperately need and they give it out of a love and a compassion. It's a sacrificial giving towards one another. Paul in Romans one, he said, listen, I long to be with you so I can impart some kind of spiritual gift to you. Not that I'm just imparting things, but so I can receive from you as well. And the idea is that this is who God is. He's a God who gives out of his character for God. So loved the world that he did what he gave his only son. It's a giving relationship. And John saying, listen, this is so sweet. We know God, this is who he is. And I want you to know him too. We've handled him. We've touched him. We've heard him. All these things. He's not pretend he's real. And this relationship is just out of this world. It seems that John's saying this fellowship is so good. We want you to have what we have. I want you to have Jesus. God wants you to have Jesus. He's so good. It's what the world needs. Have you ever done something that was so fun or so awesome or watched maybe a movie that was so cool? You couldn't stop telling people about it. Anybody like, you're just like, Oh man, it's so awesome. We jumped out of a plane with no parachute, you know, whatever it is you did. We've all talked about that and been excited about something, but John is speaking about something he and the others experienced on the deepest level of their being. How many of you have experienced something on that kind of level? Soul changing, life altering. And John tells us there in verse three, that their fellowship that they have entered into is with the father and with the son, Jesus Christ. With God. In other words, we're in fellowship with God, the creator of the universe. And his son was manifested to us. We're in fellowship with him. And 
John says there in verse four, if you, if you have this fellowship, it, it would make my joy full. This is what Christians believe. That God is so good when he comes into your heart and your life and he changes you on such a profound level. There's life in you that you didn't have before. You're changed from the inside out. There's a joy. There's a peace that overflows your life. Something the world does not have. There's a light. It's a love that you've never experienced on this level before. And it is so good that we say, you've got to have it. That's what evangelism is. That's what Christmas is about. God saying, you've got to have me. And I'm offering myself to you. And it says, you have to know him. You have to join in our fellowship and our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So John is describing Jesus Christ. That's who he's describing. And let me say this briefly, that Jesus so impacted John that in his writings, John referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He didn't even say I was there. He just said, and the disciple whom Jesus loved was with Jesus. He's like, that's, that was his experience that God loved him. He was loved. Isn't that what we're all longing for? John was personally loved by the Lord. And God sent Jesus so that he could personally love you. You see, this is what Christians believe. This is Jesus Christ manifested in the flesh. And Jesus came with a purpose. As we talked this morning, he came to testify the truth. Well, what's that truth? Verse five, I mentioned it this morning. This is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He is just something else. He's not of this world. <clears throat> he is light. This world is darkness. My heart is dark. And he came in and changed me. And what's interesting is the father and the son are one. John said, Jesus says to Philip and John eight says, Philip's like, Hey, show us the father. Will you please show us the father. And Jesus says, Philip, if I've been with you so long that you don't recognize me, if you've seen me, you've seen the father in, in other verses, this is reiterated. In other words, you want to know what God's like. You look to Jesus. You want to know what God thinks about certain things or how he would act in a certain situation or who he would be like, or who he gathered around himself and all that kind of stuff. You look to Jesus. That is, that is God in the flesh. And in John five nineteen, the father and son are one. And Jesus said, listen, I don't do anything apart from the father. I do only the things that I see the father doing. In other words, what the God, the spirit does God, the son manifests. They, they're in total sync. I've shared it before. It's like somehow someone can call me and there's some kind of invisible signal coming to this thing and I can hear it. You know, we can believe in that this translator, so to speak. And it's similar to that. Now that's, that's way falling short of an example, 
But exactly what the invisible God would do is what the manifested son did. They are one and the same. And this is why in Hebrews one in Colossians one, it says that he is the express image of God. He is the exact replica. It's not even a, another one. He is him here. There is no difference. So if you want to know who God is, you look at the son and God sent his son into time and into space that he might redeem us from darkness. His light pierced the darkness as I shared with this morning to buy you and me out of the slavery of sin and to adopt us as sons and daughters by his grace. He just loves us. That's who he is. Jesus loved us to death. The father loves you to death. How do you receive that? You believe. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. You believe that he rose again and God transforms you from the inside out. It's as simple as that. That's the good news. And you receive eternal light. And when you believe, when you say yes, when he's manifested in your heart and it is something spectacular, you're changed. You become a new man, a new woman. You're a new being, a new creature. You're no longer ruled by the flesh. You're now ruled by the spirit of God within you. Yes, there's a war going on, but you're no longer in darkness. You're now in the kingdom of light with a new father, with a new way of life, with a new way of doing things and the promises of eternal life forever. And when we believe, when we receive Jesus, the gift of eternal life, we enter into unending fellowship with God and he provides all our needs according to his riches and glory. And let's just say he's, he's got it covered and he teaches us what those needs truly are. But John says, I was there. This is who he is. And I want you to know him. So Christmas is about Jesus, not flannel graph Jesus. Although I love flannel graph Jesus. Not Jesus on the billboard, not Euro Jesus. This Jesus, the one who is before all things, who came in to our existence and shined a great light. And here's the thing as we close, pray that if you haven't believed upon Jesus, that you would tonight, you'd receive the gift of eternal life. I preached it this morning. I'm preaching it again. You're like, I'm saying it again. Yeah. Yes, I am. Because it's so good. I want you to come into the fellowship. And those of you who are in fellowship with God, this is our heartbeat. This is our message. And as I shared this morning, God saves us not so that we sit. He saves us to send us. This is what he does. He saved John. He said, John, now go tell him about me. Go shine your light. This is what the church is. This is what believers are and are to do in the darkness. We're the light of the world. Jesus says the city on a hill can't be hidden. Don't hide your light. Shine Jesus Christ to the world. 
because he is so good. Regardless of what people think about him. Amen. Well, perhaps that's you tonight. Say, I'm lacking light. I've got nothing. We'll call out to God. Believe that Jesus died and rose again, and you will be changed. You'll be saved. It's sweet. And then go shine it in the darkness. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your son. Thank you so much for piercing the darkness with your light that we actually see a different kingdom now. There's no hope in this kingdom. It's pretty bad, Lord. Election after election after election. War after war after war. Failure after failure after failure with moments of, hey, that kind of went well. But Lord, your kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness and truth. And you came to make us a part of your kingdom. Thank you so much. Lord, I pray that as we gather together tomorrow as families and we celebrate you, that you'd be at the center of our heart. We wouldn't forget about you. And that we wouldn't substitute a pretend thing for the real deal. I pray our kids would know you. I pray our grandkids would know you. And I pray that they would come to have life in them. Use us, Lord. Shine your light through us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing a few songs together and then we will, then I'll come back up and we'll sing some songs outside.